What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear. I'm Scott McNally. Of course, I'm here with Skip Hill in the middle. We've got Andrew Berry. These guys have been coaching for a long time. We're uh, we're hanging out tonight to uh, for a bunch of stuff. We got a bunch of bodybuilding stuff to talk about. We are celebrating because with all of your help, we have hit 10k subscribers on YouTube. Should I hit that that button for that, guys? Hit it. All right. I'm not gonna do this again. Do it. 10k love it i love that <laughs> uh yeah i appreciate all you guys and, and do it again no do no. it again just do it one more time <laughs> i'm so excited it's don't give microphone okay yeah oh god thank yeah. god skip doesn't have okay first skip one more time and joining us today is skip hill <laughs> i love that okay, okay. Thank we'll you. stop we'll it. stop thank you you got it out of your system I don't. I'm hoping you didn't because I don't want to hear it again. <laughs> so we've got a bunch of bodybuilding stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, I also want to mention uh, thank you to our generous sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, uh, for supporting everything that we do and having supported us for years now. You know, they're a company that is pretty. They're they're if you you got to know them to know them. They're not a company that's going to be like out there flashy uh, promoting the you know Mr. Olympia and stuff like that they're a hardcore bodybuilding company with with a with a reputation that's been based on making solid products for a good price so we appreciate them having supported us through all of this um if you guys was that the off show, your was that off the top of your head be honest you have to know them to know that's actually pretty good what did because I say? That describes you have to know them to know them I think isn't that what he said Andrew am I not yeah. that okay, is pretty yeah. good yeah that is yeah, pretty good yeah. I yeah, like because that. it's true. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely true. They, they're not advertising a ton. They're not all over the place. And it, but if you're in the industry and you you know your shit and you know them, you know them, and you know that it's just quality shit. Yeah. So uh, and you can get Team Skip from them too. You, you can do. I've heard that. Yeah, Team Skip protein. <laughs> so where do we start, guys? We have a we have a bunch of topics. Anybody who's watching this on the live feed, we're broadcasting at the uh, the YouTube page for excuse me the Facebook page for Think Big Bodybuilding Media. Uh, and you guys are welcome to jump in with any comments, questions, thoughts. Share your thoughts. Uh, but we have some topics today. We're going to talk about. Uh, the question, can you grow into a show? We are going to discuss uh, transformations. We've we've seen a bunch of big transformations in our group lately, and it's been really cool and inspirational to look at. So I've got some transformations from these guys, like their old pictures, their new pictures. I got one myself. I can dig that back up. And uh, after that, we're going to talk about some body, some competitive stuff. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, when you have when you have that guy who is just kind of coasting in to get his requalification uh, and he's not necessarily nearly as peeled as the guy who like put all of the cards on the table uh, you know does does the guy who may be better but isn't in great as great a shape does he deserve to win the show so skips had a bunch of judging experience both Andrew and I have been competing for a long time I'm sure we both have our thoughts on this one uh, I'll look forward to getting into it but to start us out, let's talk about uh, growing into a show or just just growing while dieting, period. Um, everybody wants to think they can do it, but uh, where are we at with that? Skip, you want to start us out, man? Where, what are your thoughts on this one? There's so much to this topic. I know. So I think we should start off with that sound effect. Oh, God, no. It's too early. Can't it's too do early. It. Can't do it. Early, now, um, 
there's a lot there's a lot to this okay I, I would where do i start i will start with the genetic <laughs> if you're genetically predisposed the more gifted you are genetically we'll say that the more likely and the more dramatic the more likely you can grow into a show and the more dramatic the changes can be i mean there's a ton of other variables and i'm sure we're going to get into them so i don't want to rattle off for 15 minutes you know like i usually do i'm gonna try to show exercise some restraint today but um i'll tell you this and i think this is probably the most important thing that i can say i think more people if they come into their prep relatively lean i think more people can grow into their show and there can be more of a recomp site and recomp is a very gray area and I understand that it has a very broad definition but I think that most people can recomp into a show or grow into a show more than think they can mm. and I don't think you can do that when you come in too with your body fat levels too high because you're too concerned about stripping off body fat and there may not be that time to make the you have to be more aggressive and when you don't have time you don't have time to be able to sit back and be able to let that that kind of recap or that growth happen because you're just too busy ripping off or stripping off body fat. Hmm. So I'm gonna out you can come back to me, but I I'm <laughs> trying not to be long winded today. All right, if you do really good, I'll hit the horn again later if you want. Ah, okay. All right. What do you think, Angie? Where are you at with this? Um, I think it definitely depends situationally. Um. Are we talking like someone who's just been cruising and mm. then they throw in the goodies at 15, 12 weeks out? Then absolutely, they're going to grow into the right. show. Also, situationally, like how you set up your diet. Like, I don't look at like deficits and surpluses as just a black and white thing. Like, I totally believe you can be in a deficit at one part of the day, aka fat loss, and then be in a surplus later on in the day, say around your training time. So, you know, let's say you're throwing your cardio, your stims, you're keeping, you know, carbohydrates out for, you know, several meals earlier in the day, and then you're really feeding pre and post training, um, which puts you technically in a surplus in a sense. I, th I think you could definitely use those two scenarios to uh, both put on muscle and get leaner at the same time. Mm. Um, I'm just speaking from experience. I feel like I grow m the most every single prep I do, you know, mm. um, I, I think, you know, well, what's the, what, when, when you're getting leaner, what's the number one thing that happens? You get insulin sensitive, right? Right. And when you're insulin sensitive, you're going to be assimilating protein much better. The food's going to where it needs to go. So, um, you know, I mean, looking at, say, like the off season where, let's say, your calories are super high, um, but you're also very bloated, you're lethargic. Um, for me personally, my training sessions are not nearly as good when I'm eating, you know, 900 to 1,000 carbs a day versus when I'm eating 400 to 500 a day. Uh, just that extra water, that, or that, that extra mass that just feels like it's sitting in your stomach. Those 20 rep pack squats or squats or whatever we're talking, like, like those are a lot harder then. And, you know, I, I, I just think there's, you absolutely can grow um, going into a prep. If you, you know, dot your I's, cross your T's with the right variables, um, plan your diet strategically, plan your cardio strategically. And, um, you know, it, and again, as Skip said, like, you got to be in a good position. Like, we're not talking, you know, 24% body fat. Like, if you're, you know, 14, 15% body fat or a little lower heading into a prep, yeah, absolutely. I think you can if you give yourself, you know, the right amount of time. So, absolutely. Yeah. 
I just noticed um, because I did something the way I set this up today, our comments are shut off. So I can't bring our comments up, which we always like to bring our comments up from everybody listening. I can monitor them, though. So I'll be monitoring them from over on my other computer uh, because we do have people that were already commenting and I can't post them up. I, uh, this is a form of censorship, if you think about it. You're kind of controlling the comments, and I'm not sure that I'm completely comfortable with this. But and the air horn, and controlling yeah. the air horn. You do have the air horn, though, so that kind of, you know, that evens everything out. I guess. Yeah, I I feel like, um, you know, who I've seen that grow into the show is the newer guys. You know, younger guys, guys who have less experience, and they have a lot of room to grow. I've even seen it where there's a guy who maybe didn't have didn't have a consistent diet and then, you know, he's been like kind of slacking off, still growing in the gym like a bro, you know, eating protein but not being consistent with it. And then he gets a certain amount of mass and then he hooks up with a coach and the coach puts him on six square meals a day, you know, high protein across each one. At the I didn't know where you were going with that, but that's a good point. When you when you first said new like newbies and i'm thinking what <laughs> but then when you explain it more then it does make more sense because i think you're right it, there's a lot more structure there yeah. than they're used to so then all of a sudden they start they start producing they start progressing so much more i completely agree with that and yeah. i can even ad admit myself i've had years where i wasn't as structured in my off season i'd love to say that Oh, every year I've just, you know, treated every offseason exactly like the contest prep. But there's been years that it hasn't been that way. And then I've found that, yeah, when I do get more structured, that it, it does, you know, it adds up. You know, I think I think, mm -hmm. too, you guys make a point about, you know, supplementation. You know, Andrew, you're like, you know, were you cruising? If if you had a guy that that wasn't using anything and then he comes into the show and he's been off for a really long time, then, yeah, I think it's I think it's possible I I would say that I would say that you have to you have if you come you guys are right that if you come that's the key is that if you come in lean to the diet to start you have the best chance because you don't need to push as hard you know you you don't need to push as hard and you might not even see it but it's what happens like 6 weeks after the diet you know what I mean like Maybe you're yeah. depleted going in, but then four weeks after, six weeks after, you're like, damn, I think I'm bigger than I was before I started this. You mean in two. When you say after, you mean in two, just so I understand you. I mean, like four, like, to, six weeks four to six diet? weeks after the diet's over and you start like, then you're eating more well, junk oh, you're food. you're volumizing a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Okay, you're gotcha. volumizing gotcha. and now you're in a better shape, you know, obviously a lot leaner, but you're seeing yeah. like, wow, my shirts are fitting a lot tighter than they did, you know. Well, well, let me give you an example, like right off the top of my head, Kevin Lebroni. Yeah, the ultimate I mean, example. How many years? Well, at least you went to someone who's not genetically, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, everybody, I think all of our listeners probably know who Kevin Lebroni is. So, sure. But yeah. if you didn't know his story, he would spend like six to seven or eight months like off everything, eating three meals a day, running his gym, doing his band, and just doing other things. And then come contest time for the Olympia, you know, he'd start a diet or something at like 220, and then he'd show up on stage at like 255 shredded. I mean, he absolutely put on, you know, 25, 30 pounds of muscle in an expediently short period of time, you know? And just so um, the listeners understand, in fairness, I tried this method, didn't work the same way. No? Mm -mm. Well, no. 
I believe um, Matt Porter was trying it for a few years uh, before he passed away. Um, before the last show he did, I can't remember which one it is, maybe North Americans, I feel like he was talking about how he was – he purposely downsized. He purposely went off everything other than, you know, low, low dose TRT. Um, he was eating very minimal protein and I think he wasn't even training. And then he would, and then he, you know, kind of like Lavroni just turned everything on all at once and he would show up, you know, as big or, and as full, if not bigger and fuller than he was, you know, the previous showing two years ago before that. I know Phil tri- uh, Viz tried it one year. Um, and I don't think it worked out as well for him. He, he kind of, detrained in a big way and then um turned it on for his i think 2017 prep maybe um but i think in retrospect i think he said that he wouldn't do that again personally so yeah 17 or 18 i i think you got you got the timeline right it's in there somewhere yeah 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 i've seen a lot of people who've taken not a lot but i've seen people who you know have a lot of muscle that have taken long periods of time off i want to say Dexter, Dexter Jackson has talked about taking like three months off of everything, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, but the thing is with Dexter, though, like him in the offseason almost looks like he's three weeks out. <laughs> well, it's yeah, like, yeah. I thought you were going to say I mean? like, him him training in the offseason or him not training. Well, I, I thought you not him not training in the offseason is almost like him training. <laughs> That's no, right. no, that was a bad. Like that. Was a bad. No, 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 no. No, I'm just saying like his conditioning wise and his, 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 his roundness, obviously it's genetics, but um, you know, he, he keeps that almost year round. And then, you know, I think he just sprinkles some goodies in, turns the intensity up a training and starts eating six meals a day again, at eight or 10 weeks out. And then he goes and wins the Tampa pro and, you know, yeah. gets top five of the Olympia again, you know, yeah. um, I think he could do it again this year and the year after if he wanted to you know even though he retired yeah. i think there's something to be said of those breaks though i took that force break and i've talked about it a couple of times so i'll try not to be long-winded about it but took that 15 16 week break a couple of years ago i want to say it's been about two and a half maybe three years something like that and came back and within 12 weeks i had completely completely transformed and, and it was funny because there was only about a four pound difference in my body weight but that's why I used progression pictures to show because everybody thinks the joke was everybody thinks I'm always shredded and lean all the time, which is funny because I'm a fat boy. I, you know, as soon as I step away and I start eating like shit, I can, I can go to shit, but then I can get it back real quick too, which I guess is a blessing, you know, both ways, but I can lose it very, very quickly and not look like anything but an average Joe who may not have ever picked up a weight. And that's pretty much what I did. And to come back, I remember I, I was just looking at the pictures a few days ago and, and I was kind of surprised myself because I thought, I don't, I'm not, I don't look like that at, at 220 right now. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so I had made such a, and, and I think there's something to be said that, like I said, of the time off because not only was it time off gear, obviously, and if anybody's out there, you know, they're going, well, it's because you had gear. And everything. Of course, of course it is because you're listening to a podcast that is called Blood, Sweat, and. I just let the listeners say it all together (laughs) and they couldn't hear the other listeners, but we all said it at the same time. (laughs) It is. It's gear. So I'm not going to knock some, you know, if you're listening to the show because you're natural and you want training and and nutrition advice, I think that's awesome. And that's great. But by and large, the game is a gear game. So yes, there was no gear during that time. And yes, there was gear afterwards. But the point is, is I, the system had, my system had cleaned out not only from, it almost kind of reset. Not only from a gear standpoint, receptor standpoint, that sort of thing, but the training and the the aches and pains and digestion. And I ate when I wanted to, if I felt like it. And I tell you, I don't know about you guys, when I take time off, the greatest thing to me is not the 
lack of training or having more time and, and all that sort. It's not having to eat unless I mm. feel like it. And, and it's just the greatest thing. It's like, oh, haven't eaten in eight hours. Kind of hungry. I think I'll have something to eat. I feel that way yeah. when I go into a diet, nice. you know, when the food's like, oh, my God, now I don't have to push this as much, <laughs> yeah. you know, right. and for about a month. And then after that, I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, give me more food, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm starving. I'm starving. So coming back to the original question, I do think as far as, you know, growing into a show and recopying. I, look, do you guys, am I off base on this? Do you guys not agree that it is in a sense? I mean, it's a, it's a recomp. You're growing into the show. So you're not going to just be stripping scale weight, and, you know, at the same time you're stripping body fat. So. You know, if you are able to come into, you know, your prep phase and then you end up that, you know, you're shredded and you're only five pounds or 10 pounds difference, that's clearly, in a sense, what we're talking about, growing into a show or or changing your body composition, which is synonymous with recomping. So I think that I think that that can happen for the large majority of people if they know what they're doing yeah. and you do have to come in. I don't even know if it's coming into the show or coming into the prep lean. I mean, that that's that's kind of a given, I guess, but it's coming into the prep with your metabolism staged the best way that it can be so that it's running hot from the get-go. Because, and this happens with trainers a lot, you'll get a client and they'll come to you for prep and then you realize, oh shit, like, you know, they're not, their metabolism is not ready yet. Yeah. So, or it's not in a good spot to begin with. And then you have to take some of that time to try to rebuild. So it's always better. I'll tell us if you're a client and you're going to train with someone, you're going to do just to prep with them, do your stuff. You're better off eating a ton of fucking garbage food, to be honest. And I'm speaking for myself, but you're better off eating a bunch of garbage food than to come in either dieting or eating garbage food once a day. If you're going to eat garbage food, eat it like three or four times a day, because <laughs> at least that way your, your metabolism will probably be in a better position than eating only once or twice. And I know that that brings up other questions that, Listeners might be thinking of whether it be, you know, fasting or the inter, intermittent fasting. I always want to say internet because I don't use that term very often because I don't <laughs> like that type of that style of diet. But intermittent fasting and things like that, um, that's for other topics and other discussions on, say, the podcast for next week. Right, Scott? Yeah. Actually, you had brought that up. I thought that was one of our ideas. We, Yeah. I, I forgot, honestly, that you had brought that up. <laughs> We'll um, check our notes during break. All right. Um, yeah, let's go to our next topic, though, because I feel like we, we could kind of really just transition right into this one. It's it's kind of like a natural progression. Um, transformations, you know. Like I said, so we have seen a bunch of really cool transformations over at uh, the uh, Think Big group on Facebook. I had posted a transformation of my own. Um and uh, from there, it kind of it kind of you know sparked a bunch of people too. And so I feel like it's a real positive thing where a lot of people are getting the opportunity to see you know all these different people that have like a lot of people that have gained like a, literally a hundred pounds over the course of their bodybuilding. And I actually got a question about it that I wanted to pose to you guys. Let me see if I can pull this up. While you're looking for it, let me say one thing to the people listening. Please don't be that person who says, "Well." it's not a transformation because it's been 10 years. Like <laughs> transformations are only 12 weeks long or eight weeks long or some ridiculously short amount of time. A transformation by definition is transforming something over a length of time. It is not specified. So as long as that person states what the time frame is, it's still a transformation. So don't be douchey. 
Good point. There you go. Just if I tried to tell everybody like half of our listeners, this was my 12 week transformation. If I were to say that, that would be a little <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So here's a question. And then I got some pictures of these guys and some of the transformations they've made. And I'll, I'll we'll post those up over talking. I'll find mine as well. Uh, hey, Scott, I definitely don't want to make this about me which is why I'm asking here. He DM'd me versus posting it like on my my transformation pictures. He said, I'm curious to your and maybe the guys from the podcast's thoughts on this. Um, there have been a lot of transformations in the group where guys are gaining upwards of 100 pounds. My question is, what's more impressive? Someone losing over 100 pounds or someone gaining over 100 pounds? I'm one of those people that lost 100 pounds, and my question definitely isn't meant to be about me because I don't think that losing 100 pounds is impressive. I should have uh, never been a turd to begin with, and uh, however many people are, uh, however many people are very impressed with the transformation. So it has my mind turning, which is more impressive. That was a kind of a fun question to talk about. Run with it, Andrew. Um, my, uh, my opinion, not to take anything away from the, uh, the, the gentleman's question, because losing a hundred pounds is absolutely amazing. You know, obviously he took a lot of dedication. He stuck to a plan. Um, he didn't deviate. Um, he probably hit some bumps along the road, but he got back on the horse and kept going. So that's awesome. Um, but I think putting on a hundred pounds of muscle tissue is definitely more impressive. I mean, that means you're taking a, a bantamweight, 130 pound bantamweight and turning them into a super heavyweight at some point over their career. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, to my knowledge, there's probably only a few people that have actually done that. Um, so a hundred pounds of muscle mass is, I think, in my opinion, more impressive because it means you probably didn't miss a meal over 10 years. You didn't miss a training session over 10 years. Um, you know, you ate when you were already completely full bloated and, you know, you didn't want to look at food. Um, you ate the things that you didn't necessarily want to eat, you know, chicken and rice, chicken and rice or whatever, you know, all the bodybuilding stuff. So yeah, I just think the hundred pounds is definitely more impressive from a, in terms of a bodybuilding standpoint as a bodybuilder that works with bodybuilders and, and other, you know, athletes, um, while also saying that that 100 pound fat loss is absolutely incredible as well. But just the 100 pounds of tissue gained is definitely more impressive, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to be boring and I'm going to say the same thing. And the reason being, I don't know if he used just an arbitrary number because, you know, he had lost 100 pounds. Because when you say put on 100 pounds, you make a very good point. That's not common. I mean, if you're talking about. Yeah losing 35 pounds versus gaining 35 pounds, you know, at least that's a little bit more normal. <laughs> hundred pounds is that's, that's freaking out there. And, and I agree with all the points you made. It just, it takes too long. The consistency has to go on too long. Very difficult to lose a hundred pounds. No question. Not only from the actual, the steps you have to take in the, the, consistency and things like that, but it's a much shorter amount of time that it takes to gain that amount of muscle. The The only other thing I would say is this, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but I want to make sure that anybody who's lost a ton of weight, and this guy in particular, um, understands that, that we get that there's more than just the actions of what he has to do. When you are, when you hold and carry more than, you know, that type of weight, 100 pounds, or 200 pounds or something, you you have long-standing things that you have dealt with um, hmm. psychologically and with your self-esteem, and and you've created 
you have habits that for over a long period of time that have to be broken to be able to get out of that, your own head, your psyche and the things that keep you comfortable at that weight. So there's a lot more of a battle there than what people see on the surface. You know, you think, oh, I just want to get lean and this, I know how to do it. So I'm just going to do it. There's, there's, there's a lot of other things that you don't see that they have to overcome to do that. But even stating that, um, I still stand by, because he used a hundred pounds of muscle gain, that that is incredibly rare. And, and I'm going to stick with that. But again, Andrew made a good point. I'm going to back that up. And that is both of them are, are incredible and, and both of them deserve, you know, kudos for, for that type of an effort. I'd agree. Well, yeah. do, do we- one that has actually put on a hundred pounds of muscle like let's say let's see say i was like, thinking about that when you were talking i don't know that i from, do not from being like a baby to like you know an adult right. bodybuilder i'm saying like but from training you know you're you're, well, you're, here's, you're an adult here's where i'm yeah. at here's where i'm at so i it's by no means a hundred pounds of muscle but so i trained when i was a kid when i was 14 i got into bodybuilding and i lifted for about a two years yeah, 13, actually. Thir- about the time I was 13, I, I was on a split and uh, then my buddies were coming over and I kept working out and like I had no concept of nutrition whatsoever. But I had a little understanding of exercise and, and I, I helped other guys in my neighborhood like get onto like a really wasn't push pull legs. It was more like uh, like chest, back. Uh, chest, chest legs, biceps. and shoulders, <laughs> exactly. you know, legs on Saturday afternoon, chest supersetted with biceps. But then I got out of it. I got out of it and I got back into it for like a year at 19. And then it wasn't until I was about 30 that I got serious and I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And I took this picture. You guys can laugh at it. That's kind of part of why I, Cause it's, you know, it's fun to look back at this stuff and I won't have laugh, a light heart about it. I've already seen the picture and I've already laughed. But <laughs> <laughs> that's me. Uh, my before it's and after. It's because it's impressive. This is, now this it's, is, it's not muscle. You know, I can't say it's all muscle, but that is 105 pounds is what that is. Okay. So I was like okay. 125 in the first picture. And then uh, this is at 230 about uh, the, the next What age one. were you? That was about like late, late 20s. I can't remember oh. exactly. So, yeah, wow. like it's not like I needed to, my shoulders weren't, my shoulder girdle wasn't going to fill out more. You know what I mean? It's not like my yeah. long bones needed to grow more. That, that, I was done, you know? And, well, uh, and I had well, some man boobs too. Your conditioning was, is probably almost the same, if not better, in your, your, your new pick. So, and you're up 105, you said? Yeah, yeah, 105 from there. I've come down a little bit, you know, once I got sick, I'm about 10 pounds down from that now, 10, maybe 15. But, you know, that's that's that that's where I was at, you know, right before I had gotten sick and versus that's where I just sat before. And it wasn't like you can see I had body fat on me. You know what I mean? It's not like I was like bone rail thin. I had body fat on me. I had a fatty chest. I had a fatty stomach, fatty lower back. Uh, but you know, it's, so I can't say that's a hundred pounds of muscle, but if you dieted me down from that, <laughs> I guarantee yeah. it would have been like 90, you know, exactly. you get a lot of clients if no one knew who you were. And you just said that that before picture was before you got COVID. Yeah. 
like nine <laughs> weeks ago. And then look at the after. And and I, I mean, talk <laughs> about that. People say, oh, that's crazy. But you know what? There's some dumb sons of bitches out there who will believe that. <laughs> that's good. That's I tell you, that's pretty good gains, though, because I was thinking we started about the same time. And I'm older than you. Yeah. And I haven't put on that kind of. I, I started at 136, I think, in, as a freshman. Yeah, but I started in high school. But I did start training as a freshman. Obviously, I wasn't probably done growing yet anyway. But I never got to any – I've never been on stage anywhere near 230. <laughs> well, I, I don't have, a, like, a starting picture or skip. We don't have – we don't go that far back. But we have this one. Let's see here. Look at that. Look at that look, <laughs> That's you? Andrew. Uh, That's shit. you? Yeah, that's oh me. my god! Look at that, that look. He's so serious. Nineteen or that's your 20. black steel look. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Steel. And you notice I was, my head was shaved, but I still had hair up there. I could have grown it if I wanted to. <laughs> you look good there. Like I thought, it, so were you too. natural then? Uh, I was natural for a few years, <laughs> but I was, I was, I was, I was about one fifty eight, I think. Is I think I competed at one fifty six or something like that i was maybe four or five weeks out from a the natural mid michigan um in in well in michigan i guess but in flint michigan gloria and mike and gloria buckle i think buckle. they still promote yeah, they that do. show yeah they yep. do yep won the middleweight division there so you got Love this it. now this one is from that that period <laughs> In the garage. I like yeah, how you guys, how you have your name on the workbench. I know, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's um, that's 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 home. That's where I was raised. I'll be damned. That's that's old school shit. But I was that's the same prep. I don't know when it was, but I was actually looking at the other day because it's an, it's interesting that how you age. And I never would have thought this until I was older because I didn't I didn't believe it until I actually witnessed it for myself. But you start to carry body fat so differently as you age. And it was funny to see my back so lean because now it's, you know, I fight when my back is in, I'm ready to go. And I'm ready from the front 10, 12 pounds before I am from the back. So I always find that funny, but it's funny too, because the, it's still relatively the same. You know, I can see the shape and, you know, my back was sucked then it sucks. Now it's kind of one of those, those things that will play. I think if you all, if you have a weak body part, most people, I think, even though it will improve, a lot of times it'll continue mm. to be weak, just less weak. <laughs> well, what's up with this one now? How yeah. how heavy were you in this shot? Well, that was at Junior USA's, but you have to understand that that was not prior to going on stage. That was <laughs> one day later. <laughs> okay, okay. And that's why I took the shots because I was like, it's really too bad I couldn't have loaded like this because mm. I was – like 222 or something like that, something crazy. It was in the low 220s, I think, or 220. I can't remember. Was well, you're right. That was crazy full, but it wasn't stage ready, though, either, admittedly. If I would have gotten on stage like that, I would have looked soft. The lighting there it was different. We all know how that goes. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, what it year, was. What year was that? That was um, 09. Yeah, oh nine. So it's been a little while. It's been what 11, 12 years. <laughs> we got some Andrew pictures here too. Let's see. All right. So <laughs> what's that first one? How how oh, good that, God that dude. one I was that was my first show. That was the uh two thousand and one NABF Supernatural up in uh 
uh, Bridgeport, Maine, I think it was. Um, I was all of 188 pounds and still at six foot two then. Hmm. So I I, I was telling, I was telling Scott before this, I posted like, uh, these pictures up or maybe even like some progress pics after the show on one of the forums. And, uh, they're like, (laughs) you look good, kid. When's your next swim meet? (laughs) You know what? That's not fair because I'll say this at your height. And you know me, I call spade a spade. At your height, I would have not thought that you were that light with your scale weight. You said 188? I mean, you do. Yeah, I would have thought thought heavier. Yeah, oh, hell yeah. Now, what about the second one? I dieted from 242 down to 188. I was a fat ball of shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now, what about Um, the second second one? What were you in? I was uh, was like 252, and that was like four or five days before the universe this year. So that's a great freaking look, man. Yeah. Oh, thank you. No question. Um, so, yeah, I and feel then, like your, uh, your legs were all already good back then. Whoops. I didn't mean to do all that. Well, especially well, for somebody why. that tall. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why, because, uh, being someone so tall, like I was never good at the bench press and all my buddies, that's what they wanted to do was bench press like three days a week. Right. Mm. And I could barely do like, I think of that at, when I was in like high school, I could barely do two twenty five for like one rep while my buddies were getting it for like five or six. So it just wasn't fun for me, but I found that I could do the squats and ah. I, I, you know, that was going to be my exercise. Cause I was doing four Oh five for like sets of 10 by the time I graduated high school. And, and while my buddies could barely do two twenty five for six or eight. So that was always like my calling card was I'm going to do the squats. I'm going to do squats and leg presses. And cause you know, you kind of gravitate towards the things you have somewhat of a talent to. Sure. Um, yeah. and the, ben- the bench press just wasn't my, it's still not my friend, you know, but yeah. Yeah. So. Now that shot, that, that contrast from the back, that's, that's wicked. It's huge. I mean, that's, yeah, I, that's more impressive even than the front. And yeah. not only that, but obviously, you know, the condition is so much better too. But you can tell, I mean, you were you were pulling deads when you were, you know, you were young oh, yeah. too, though. Yeah. So, yep, that was the yeah. other thing I really liked to do was deadlift. I, you know, it's funny because I could deadlift more by the time I graduated college than I could have done five years ago because I've deadlifted in five or six years, really. Hmm. And and you guys probably the same thing. It's it's just you know you do it once and like you're injured or you, you know your back locks up or it just affects all other aspects of your training so i don't even waste time on it anymore um with the deadlifts really but back then i did hey what's going on guys thanks for watching another podcast here at think big bodybuilding media and thank you to our great sponsor truenutrition.com for making this all possible truenutrition.com is owned by dante trudel the creator of dc training he wanted to create a supplement company that offered high quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price high quality protein powders just about every type you could think of huge variety of flavors plus health and performance supplements check them out truenutrition.com and hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. And uh, <laughs> talk some some contest prep bodybuilding stuff. I know something that could bring me back Fuck. really quick. All right. And then Andrew's got an awesome question. Skip, this one's for you. I'm ready. I should have never told him, Andrew. Andrew, I should have never told him we had that. <laughs> oh, shit. Lay it on us, man. So the, question, the question, okay. I'm trying to remember which one was the first. Was the first one or second one we're doing today? Let's. We, I think or either of them are good. I, uh, let's go with the first okay, one. Let's, okay. So, so I think we've all been to shows where, and we've seen this somewhat 
in, in happening or, or, you know, and it's open to debate on whether it was the right decision or wrong decision either way. But let's say you have someone that is a national level guy, like he's placed, you know, top five in two or three shows. He took a year off and now he just needs to go and get his qualification to go and back, go back to nationals, USA's or North Americans to try to seal the deal. So he's tried and true. He goes and does his local show, but he brings like a five week or six week out conditioning look or even a four or three week out conditioning look. He's not dialed in. Should he beat the guy that literally comes in like he put everything on the line like this was his Olympia? Should he, you know, do, as a judge, and this is probably more for Skip because he has a lot of judging experience when you're analyzing the physiques, you know. What are you breaking down in the sense of, you know, do I go with the guy that has all this potential? I know he's already, you know, grade A talent. He's just coming here to punch the card to get the, um, you know, to get his qualification. Well, am I going to put him over the guy that obviously treated this show as if it's the only show he's ever going to do in his life and he comes in peeled? Yeah, and it's a really, really good question. I want to say before I answer, I got to say something about judging. Um, you Have you guys judged? Either one of you judged or not? I have not judged. Okay. I've been asked, but I have to refuse all the time because I usually have a bunch of clients in the yeah. show and I just don't, I, I don't want any impropriety or any of that. So, yeah, I get you. And that's, that's honorable because I think we all know that that doesn't happen typically <laughs> in the state of Colorado. You have to step back away from the panel. At least that's an honorable move because if they don't make you do that, you know, the trainers are lying and they you're, have, you're supposed they to just cover it. You're yeah, supposed to exactly. in Michigan. Oh, is that right? That's good. And supposed you're, to, you're and it supposed doesn't to. always happen. Exactly. I didn't say to that. Step back from the class with your athlete in it, or you're supposed to say, "No, I can't judge the show at all." I think you're supposed uh, to step back class. from the class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So my problem is that, like, when I do our when, for our local show, I've had like 17 or 18 clients, and literally, it's like one of my clients is in every single division, yeah. every single class. So it's like, yeah. it's just you know, it just there's no point. So, yeah. 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 Exactly. So when it comes to judging, um, it's. I think a lot of people think that it's this very systematic, analytical, body part for body part. Um, he's got better chest than him, but he's got a better back than him. Even though that's how the average person or fan judges a show or physiques, that's not how a judge judges a show. It's difficult to explain, but the best way that I can explain it is it's not, it's not even about conditioning. You may subconsciously, sometimes consciously say to yourself, if things are real close, you know, in your head, you're like, God, he's tighter. His, but that's not the system. The system is very, and it's easier to judge this way. And I was told this early on and I was glad that I was, it's your initial impact in your, in your initial, um, like the, the, not the presentation, but the, your, your initial either wow, or, you know, and so when people say they get looked over, not, Often does a great physique get overlooked. They they're uneventful. And, and I know that may hurt somebody's feelings, but trust me, I've been Mr. Uneventful and I have been not noticed. And it wasn't because I was really good and didn't get noticed. It was because I was really average mediocre compared to the people I was standing next to. And more people need to accept that than I got robbed or that I was overlooked. Now, that is not to say that there aren't that there isn't a political component, but I feel a political component is more about whether those judges have seen you before. If you just show up at nationals, you do have you're you are more likely to be missed because as a judge, you don't consciously think I'm looking for so and so. But if you see somebody, your brain clicks and goes, God, he's better than he was last two times I've seen him. Okay. That's an unconscious 
relatively unbiased that you're not, there's no bias that you're just, your brain is making an observation. So with that said, understand that judging is more of a total package. That's why it's very easy for the judges to call the top five or start writing down what they think are their top five before you ever hit a mandatory front relaxed can pick out 90% of the time who those top five guys are. And when the judges see that first, you know, when they hit the line, they see that front relax and they go through their quarter turns. Rarely will a good judge not have their top five at that point. Sometimes you might miss somebody, but you're not going to miss a first or second. You're going to miss someone who is borderline sixth and, you know, may have got, you know, people say, well, I stand on the end. They didn't see me. There were only 14 people in the class and we, they didn't miss you. Okay. They just didn't. And I know it feels better to your psyche and everything else. So from the, from a judging standpoint, it's not a, as much about con, this sub or this conscious thought about condition versus body condition versus, you know, size versus anything. First and foremost, it's a game of muscle. They call it bodybuilding. It's a muscle game first before it's a conditioning game. And here's the thing. I am a condition guy. I was never going to be big. I was never going to beat anybody on size or fullness or awesome shape or structure. So I had to find the Rich Gaspari way of trying to win. So I am a little bit biased and I have to fight that bias because if everything is equal between two competitors, I have to fight myself to just say, well, he, he worked harder because that's my initial impression is he worked, he did his homework. But you make a good point because the guy who may not be as tight didn't necessarily in this situation not do his homework. He just is getting ready to qualify for another show. So the first response to your question is very simple. I don't give a shit about the backstory as a judge, and you shouldn't because that invites any biases. You can't think to yourself, well, he's probably, because he's big, going to another show, so he's qualifying. Hmm. If that comes in, it should immediately go back out because that, that would be unfair to that other person if that person at that moment was better than him. The other thing is, is typically you don't have to win your class to qualify to go to a, you know, to go up and on anyway. So if he takes a second instead of a first and he's pissed about it, you in this, and this comes to another thing that I feel as a trainer, and I know this isn't, not everybody agrees with me on this and not everybody does it this way, but I don't like not showing myself or any other client showing up to a warm up show at 80 or 90%. I know that strategically and on paper, it sounds great. You're warming up. You just need to qualify. Okay, fine. But you should still be hundred percent time you stand on stage unless you're guest posing. I, I really do believe that um, from a, especially this day and age when, you know, people are relying on, on what they look like from a social media standpoint, a marketing standpoint, but just a little bit of little bit of pride too in the sense that you're there people have come to see they want to see the winner and i think that you make that win much more decisive yeah you instead do. of having people talk if you show up in the in that condition and is it i did it once and i i will never do it again I, it was yeah, it's a, tough it was a and in a situation where you're just so dominant I, I it's not that i don't understand it but then you are forcing the judges to work a lot harder. And then you're forcing the apples and oranges thing because it's not so how many times here, here's a better way to put how many times have you seen someone with the structure and the muscle uh, fullness and everything else, but you just think to yourself, 
motherfucker, if you just would have worked harder, it would be unanimous across the board. But instead, I got to sit here and I got to explain to you either why you didn't win or I got to explain to your buddy why he's ripped to shreds and but doesn't have the structure you did because you picked your parents better. You know, that sort of thing. It makes for this ambiguous thing that doesn't need to happen. You could have made it very, very clear. That that's why I came up with this question. It's a, <laughs> it's a great question. It's something you can some... literally just keep talking about exactly. for two or three exactly. hours. You know, because yep. we've all been to shows where we've seen either seen it kind of happen, or yep. it doesn't even need to be. You know, you know, like you said, yeah, because top five qualified this year, um, not just top two, Scott. It's top five this year for yeah. any open oh. class. Yeah. So basically, yeah. So literally, like I could show up at the next show as a super heavyweight class when there's probably only going to be like two supers anyway and get that third place and be qualified for the next year. You're ready. Yeah. 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 The only person to be pissed was the guy who took sixth. (laughs) (laughs) I outworked that motherfucker who took fifth. What? Well, no, but, but, but but with the state of bodybuilding, there's no, uh, there's no, um, in supers, there's what three guys usually. Yeah. 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 Four tops. You're giving me ideas. That's what you do then. You just go in in your off season mode and go in the super. Yeah. Super. You're like five, two, but you're 245 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Did no car. Didn't do anything to prep. You just showed up. Oh shit. And then it's all five through 2022. If that's your game plan to do nationals in 2022, you got a year and a half to grow again. So, no, I just thought this was an interesting question um, because, you know, me and my buddies will talk about it at shows or we'll, you know, other coaches will talk about it. We've maybe seen something like that happen and we just try to put ourselves in the mindset of judges or, you know, maybe we had a client that we know they, you know, did everything they could and they were lights out peeled. And we can also see, though, why the judges went with the guy who just is more wow when he comes out mm-hmm. maybe you're like wow when that guy dials it in he's going to be amazing but he's still wow he's got the fullness he's got the structure the the, the muscle bellies all that kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. um so i just thought it was like an interesting discussion and i think i think you nailed this skip with you know going through the judge's mindset and everything yeah it's just at that moment i think that's the only fair way to to do it and you know i've been beaten by phil <laughs> i think i might be only one of the three of us who's been beaten by phil and i remember thinking you know, and you do it briefly. I was doing it being funny because I had enough experience competing. I was like, damn, he didn't do his homework. And then I laugh at myself going, yeah, but he's going to be a god. I think we all know he's going to be a god. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's interesting because, you know, we're talking about bias. And then, Skip, you were saying, like, that even if – here's the thing. I almost feel like it, at the state level, you know – who the good guys are, you know, you, if you're like a fan of bodybuilding, like we have a really strong community here in Michigan. And so like, we know, like if, uh, um, Dom Travellini is coming to requalify, like, you know, like, Oh, there's Dom, you know, and yeah. it's probably going to be his show. Right? Yeah. 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 And, and it's like, hard. And, and I've seen that happen. He wasn't like in his best shape yet, but yeah. he, you know, he definitely, it made sense. So it's, yeah. uh, but it's interesting because, then that brings me to the, the the question you almost made me think of then, Skip. So are the judges, because they know who a guy like Dom is, who's a great body, a fantastic, you know, bodybuilder, ton of muscle, shaped like he, he looks like a different breed uh, next to all the state guys. You know, he just looks like a different kind of bodybuilder. Is that a is is there is there going to be some sort of some sort of prejudice there? You know, because they know who he is and they know he's on his way, even if he and I don't I don't want to put him on the spot. So we'll just make it generic again. But anybody in that situation who's not in their best shape, uh, I guess it would be hard to remove yourself from having that biased. 
Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, human nature is we have biases and whether we consciously or unconsciously. So, you know, without sequestering, sequestering the, <laughs> you know, the judging panel for a year at a time. So yeah, you don't know right. what's going on, cutting all ties no social, social media, media and everything yeah. else. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's necessarily unfair to know that he's there or to okay. have seen him before and, and, you know, respect. I just think that ethically, you have to be honest enough with yourself to be fair to the, not even to him particularly, but to everybody else who has to compete against him. It's just fair to judge them based on when they stand next to each other. And, and if he is structurally so much better than the guys next to him, then, and he's not in shape. You see, the question really becomes how far out of shape are they? Yeah. You know, do you yeah, give it to yeah. somebody like that who is just so structurally superior that they didn't work? Then you have to battle as a judge with, do I make the statement that, you know, that would be fair that he didn't work. You don't get to just show uh, up. That's a tough one. But here's the nice thing about judging. And, and I am shocked at how many people do not understand this. I use a five panel. It doesn't matter if it's five or seven. It's always an odd number. Mm-hmm. of judges because you have they kick out at least like with a five panel judging panel they will kick out one the lowest score and the highest score and then average the middle scores and or say average they add them up and then the lowest total after they add them is of course the top position and from there so you may see after a show let's say you took fourth you could have a two two one five six and end up in uh, now don't add those up and break them down. But my point is those are arbitrary numbers. Yeah. Yeah. That you can end up in fourth with ever having without ever a judge putting you in fourth place. So that might say more about the judges, like the, uh, the non-precision of the judges, you know, maybe, maybe an inexperienced judge. If like three other people had you at one and then someone knocked you down as a six and a five or something like that. Maybe those six and fives don't really know what they're looking at, but anyway, yeah. So, I, and I'm laughing, telling this because I have one client out there that if he's watching, he's laughing, going, "You're using my example from two weeks ago." <laughs> and that was the first thing I said was, "There, there doesn't seem to be all the judges aren't on the same page here." <laughs> but nonetheless, it and it does happen. And as a competitor, if you don't have that experience, you're gonna, you know, you could be freaking out like, oh, my God, what the hell? But that's the system. And it's the best system. If you have a seven person panel, they may kick out or a nine person panel. They would kick out the bottom two and the top two. That's to take out. That's why when people say, well, there was one guy up there and he the one guy has zero control over that judging panel, unless it's a conspiracy to screw you over. And he yeah. pulled them all into the back room and said, when this guy comes out, well, which guy, his name's John. Well, we all have numbers. What number is he? I mean, what does he look like? He's a really big guy. I mean, it's the conspiracy thing is kind of funny now. Uh, so it makes it difficult, far more difficult to get screwed over than the average person would think. It just doesn't happen anywhere near as, as often as people think it does. Now, head judge, they can fuck some shit up because they can say, as an example, I'm using a strictly hypothetical situation here. They could say, say after prejudging, but before the night show, they could pull the panel together and say, listen, if you guys as a judging panel hand down this person as the overall, the guy who won the heavyweights, I'm not going to call him. I'm going to call the guy second to him because his acne is too bad and I don't Mm. like it. Yeah. And then the judging panel hands down those numbers and that would have been the winner. And the the head judge does on his own, not call him as the winner. 
Have you ever Those seen that happen? Will, if I, I'll say this, if I ever saw that happen in the state that I was judging in, I would never judge in that state again. It would okay. be the last show I ever did in the state of Colorado. I mean, in the state of any state, in any state that I was judging in. Oh. Did you see how I did well, that on about, purpose? How about this situation though? Because I think <laughs> maybe a lot of, younger more maybe inexperienced judges might follow the lead of the head judge and the judge the yeah. head judge moves people around and let's say the mm -hmm. guy he likes or the two or three guys he likes he puts them one two, in the first second third position um you know i feel like maybe a younger more or less experienced uh judge might be like oh head judge is trying to tell me something or he likes that guy so i, I should probably you know to make sure i'm on the same page as him I might kind of act accordingly you know i would like to think that all the judges in that panel know what they're looking at know how to evaluate physiques and probably fall in line with what the head judge is saying whether you know we're not talking like between the first and second place guy being a one place decision i'm just saying like i hope that they're like yeah i i, I could see those two guys being one and two let's let's break them down and figure out which one is a little bit more has has more of the wow factor hmm. um you get what i'm saying I mean, it's a great point, and I've seen it both ways. I think the right way, and this is just me. Everybody has different opinions on this. Every judge may have a different opinion. First, the top five are, are chosen from the panel. I've seen them called by the head judge, and that's bizarre to me because that doesn't – that's weird. But I've seen it only once or twice. But anyway – if you want them, like if you feel like the head judge is moving them or, or putting someone center stage that you otherwise don't be think belongs there, here's the bitch about judging. If you're the greatest judge on the planet and you don't judge the way the other, the rest of the judges, you're out. Too. Yeah. You're out because that's part of the judging that has to be. The judging panel, a good judging panel needs to be on the same page because even if they suck and they're wrong, they're consistent. And that at least judges, gets the competitors judged consistently. So, and I know this has happened. It has to have happened. Someone will be on a judging panel and they don't see eye to eye with the other judges and they think they're right and everybody else is wrong. And it doesn't, the funny, the, the funny part is it doesn't matter. You're the outlier yeah. and you won't be called back if it happens a couple, they, they will grade you. Well, a good, a good district, you know, uh, NPC chairman, you'll be graded in that within that system as to whether you're going to be called back to continue to judge the consistency trumps, whether anybody thinks they're a great judge or not. And yeah. that's, you know, obviously it gets better as you go up because the, the higher you go in the ranks to judge, you have to be a better judge. I think that's why I've always seen the judging at the Olympia for what it is. I, I don't, I don't think I've seen a decision where I've just been so, oh, my God, you, what the hell were they thinking? They're just judges. They, that's how they called it. It's so subjective yeah. that it's not worth me arguing because I didn't, I didn't have to sit there and, you know, split hairs and try to pick who was going to win. Because, I mean, how do you pick Brandon and Rami? I mean, just as an example, yeah. you have an orange and then you have a kiwi. It's not even yeah. a fucking apple. <laughs> so pick your poison. I mean, what are you looking for? It, it, it's just such a stark contrast that yeah, I, I would imagine second through fifth or sixth was much harder. Actually, I'll be honest and say that down to fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, those have to be harder places to call than even the top yeah. two or three. I got a bunch of listener questions, guys. I forgot about that. Let's do it. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I think screwed up our live recording here. So I'm sorry for everybody watching, but we can't get the comments like we normally do. Thankfully, though, we do have some questions from the last episode on YouTube. We also had some comments such as, 
uh, uh, used to love watching you guys, but what five guys has terrible bland burgers? I think that's directed at you, Skip. Yeah, you said last time. Yeah, he used to like uh, us. You preferred the the five guys burger. I wasn't on that one, but I listened to it. I got to second you on that. Like, it's always consistent. Like, it's a good burger. Yeah, it's consistently, yeah. it's consistently good. Well, we're yeah, I, uh, but I mean, I, I think it's good for a franchise burger. I certainly yeah. wouldn't go with a gourmet burger, but for franchises like Smash Burger or Five Guys or come on, throw some other ones like In and Out. Um, what Probably else is out it there? Blows In and Out out of the water. Blows in. Yeah, and out I, of the water. I think so too. I, in and Out yeah. is overrated. I mean, I I think, and I've had a lot of fucking burgers. I, it doesn't mean I'm right. I just I always say in situations like this, how many burgers have you had? If you think that's the best fucking burger you've ever had, and if you eat a burger after a show and you say that's the best burger you ever had, that's because well, your ass was hungry. Yeah, that doesn't that's count. The only reason. Yeah, I did that exactly. before. I did that actually. Oh yeah. Um. All right. So let's just plow through these things. Uh, this is question about yearly pro- programming for the next episode. This is from Chris. He says, um, "How do you set up bulk?" maintenance cut timeframes for your clients. How does this differ between us gym rats that don't don't compete versus bodybuilding competitors? Could you possibly give us a rundown um, example for their cases, please? Andrew, run with it. Well, I think like, I think the person asking this question maybe thinks that like coaches have this like 10 weeks we're doing this 10 weeks we're doing that mm. but you know we're dealing with people and people have lives you know like you know let's say someone gets done their show and they've sacrificed a lot in terms of their job or their relationship or whatever and they're like look man i'm gonna keep training for you know four or five weeks though but like i'm not gonna be checking in like usual because i gotta get you know these other factors the other areas of my life kind of back going again you know um or let's say someone has a surgery you know something they needed to get done so it, my point is that it's not just like you get off stage you have this, you know, post-show period in a perfect world you do. And then you have this off season and then, you know, driving right back up to your next prep. Um, you know, I think in terms of, um, you know, trying to periodize it and everything, you got to work within the confines of what the client has going on. You know, I can think of an example where one client, they travel a lot for work and for them to do a prep, they schedule it so that most of their prep or most of their travel stops like nine or eight weeks out before their show. So they can dedicate, the type of intensity and attention that a, a solid prep needs for that last eight weeks. But then once the show's over, they're like, I got to get back to like, you know, I, I love my job. I'm making you know good money. I got to get back to that lifestyle. So I'm going to ease into my off season and, and I'm still as dedicated as I am before, but I just have this other set of constraints that I got to deal with to, to be successful in my whole life, not just bodybuilding. And, you know, obviously having a good job, having stable income, stable home is conducive to having a good prep uh, the next time around. So, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily just so cut and dried in terms of time frames and all that kind of stuff. You got to work within the confines of what the client has going on overall. Thank you. First, I want to say thank you for saying cut and dried instead of cut and dry. I, it's just a small peeve of mine, but I say cut and dry. Should you not I'm say sorry. cut and dry? Yeah, no, that's wrong. Cut and dried. There's, okay. Yeah, there's Fixed. a decent, yeah. I, <laughs> mental note. Anyway. Uh, and I agree with a lot of what you say. As far as the time frame, this is, I'm going to use a, an example of something that I do with my clients, and that is this. Uh, first, I'll say that the bigger level shows, if you're, you know, at Nationals or USAs or North Americans, that's different in the sense that you don't have a lot of shows to 
to choose from if you're looking to, you know, you're right there trying to turn pro. So that's different. You're a little bit more locked into those those dates and those time frames. So it may be a little bit more rigid for off season versus prep. But I will say this, and I, I, I prefer to do this with my clients. I like for them to have options for the shows, but not have them necessarily nailed down unless it's a situation like you're talking about, Andrew, where they do have those uh, individual obstacles, whether it's work or, or family, you know, it could be that their teachers are off during the summer and, and things like that. I agree with that. In an ideal situation, I like to keep them open and keep options because there's nothing I hate more than taking a client or pulling a client who's in the off season is growing like crazy. It's just like they're on cruise control. And then it's like, we got to start prep. Mm. I, I would much rather grow, grow until you hit a plateau and you're struggling to grow and then let's change gears. So if we can get a couple more, maybe it's only a month or two more, but growth is growth. And when your body wants to grow, I always tell people don't, go against that unless you absolutely have to if you have a good reason to go against it cool if you don't let it grow let it go let it grow let it grow let it grow continue to, if you can go another six months and you have to skip a show take the growth because you don't always get those growth phases where everything is clicking and everything is fitting together perfectly and it just almost seems effortless run with it if you can yeah yeah time frame wise I feel like for a lot of it, it's easier to create time frames for a competitor if you want to compete every season, because then, you you know, it, it's easy if you're a non-competitor to just kind of keep going and being like, well, I, I don't feel like I really gained enough. And you end up being like, oh, I'll do another off season cycle, you know, and then maybe after that, then I'll start cutting. I think that you have you have a window and it's like I know I got into a groove where it was like. At first, I wanted to compete every year, but I, I can. What did I do? I competed in fall, and then the following year, I competed in fall. But then after that, I competed in spring, and then I started. What I started doing was I started going like, if I did a fall show, or excuse me, if I did a spring show, then I would wait and do a fall show the following year. You know what yeah. I mean? That way, yeah. you had a lot more time. Well, you know, some more time for an off season. We had a yeah, and if you have more time and if you're growing, I, you know, I think that's great. I think another component too that matters is how long have you been growing? Are you only, if you only had two or three years and you're going to start competing, even if you're relatively good, you may still, you would benefit going longer times to be able to continue to grow versus someone who, you know, yeah. like myself, who has been, you know, has been training for so long that, you know, if I take two years or if I take seven or eight months, I'm probably not going to have this dramatic size change if I take two years. Plus, I mean, I'm closer to death than most of you motherfuckers, too. So the clock is ticking. My biological clock is ticking. It's cut and dried right would, there. There would are you guys agree? Would you guys agree, you know, if you have a national competitor that's top five, they should be competing every year, like for yeah, that I national. That. Sure. But if they Absolutely. are a local level competitor, I tell them every one and a half to two years. Yeah. I mean, you should have a contest season every one and a half to two years. Yeah. So if yeah. you competed in the spring this year, you're not going to compete until the fall of next year. So you're mm -hmm. getting that time frame in between or, or later even like if, if you're having a particularly good uh, off season and, and it's working out that way. So yeah, I yeah that's kind of, yeah. Cause you can be good. I mean, and, and we've all seen it. I'm not going to mention any names. <laughs> I'm sure we all can. Um, and, and, and I laugh about it. They're better bodybuilders than I ever was than I ever were. So I put that in there as kind of a, you know, disclaimer, but you see those people who are teetering 
and they're third place at North Americans. And in those people, you want to tell them, listen, even if you get a little bit better, if you go more than three or four years, there's people coming up behind you, yes. next generation, and they're going to be even a better you. So you better fucking win it and get your pro card because time's a wasting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Most effective way to train and eat after, uh, basically after any cycle, but he says after a simple test only cycle to maintain gains in strength. The best way? Can I tackle this one? Or, yeah. Um, I think do all of the things you can do that or that you were doing, all those good habits you had while you mm-hmm. were on your cycle. Because we all know people take their training a little seriously. They take their diet mm-hmm. a little more seriously, their supplementation. They got to get the better. All those things that you were doing on your cycle, do those while you're on, when, when you're, while you're off. Yeah. But then consider pulling back on the volume just a little bit mm-hmm. or the frequency mm-hmm. of training. If you were a six day a week trainer and you were getting tons of progress while on your cycle, I would say immediately pull it down to five days because what do anabolics do? They increase muscle protein synthesis, plain and simple. And your muscle protein synthesis machine is going to be slowing down just a little bit. So still do all those things that are putting you in a position to put on muscle because you can still grow after you, but let's say that real clearly. You can still grow when you are not gassed up. Yeah, okay? that's right. I know a lot of people these days. Like to think, oh, you know, they, they stop going to gym completely. They stop eating their six meals. They're like, oh, well, I'm not on anything anyway. But no, like you can absolutely bridge those growth cycles with not as impressive, but as cl- close to as impressive growth cycles if you do all the little things. And mm. that's something I try to preach to my clients. Like, okay, yeah, we're, we're back to cruising. Now treat this as if you are blasting a thousand milligrams of this or, you know, whatever. Like treat it as if you're still blasting really hard and you're going to surprise yourself. You're not even going to notice that you're going off. Okay. Yeah. And I think you can really create that mindset and that mindset will, the results will follow in that mindset. That was about as well put. The only thing I can think of to add, or maybe even just to uh, not necessarily expound on, but to, to, to clarify is because you covered damn near everything. <laughs> when you go into the crew, whether it's cruise or you're coming off or whatever else, the first thing that will defeat you is your psychological approach. Because if you know you're off, and you're not as focused and motivated and you're not into your training as much, that's what's going to fuck you up. It's going to cut into your consistency with consistency with everything. Uh, It could be sleep. It could be focus in the gym. It could, it's, it impacts everything. That's your biggest fight is the mental approach making that transition, but you covered everything to change, pulling back on the volume, possibly pulling back a little bit on the intensity or or the frequency, one, two, three of those in different combinations. You got to play with it and make, sure another i have one more thing don't go into a cut phase if you feel like you gained too much fat immediately after you come out of a cycle because you do run the risk uh, with those restricted calories of losing more of those gains you want to hold them and you want to let your body get set with those in fact i would almost say until you go back on because you can make that's a Mm -hmm. damn good point that a lot of people don't get you can make still you should still be growing and progressing even when your trt are off cycle you should and if you're not it's a recovery issue well, otherwise, why would natural trainers continue to progress over the years? I've exactly. seen some damn good not Doug Miller. Um, you know, there's tons of good natural bodybuilders out there that progressed without gear. And so, and I, and I think Dr. Scott, um, one of the episodes you guys did two weeks ago, you're going over the, the, the study where the, um, the, uh, the population that was using drugs and population that wasn't, and, and half of those population was training, the other half wasn't. And the guys that trained, um, oh, yeah. but we're not taking drugs 
made ju- had, had just as much muscle gain as the guys that weren't training and that were taking drugs. Yeah. So I think that I think I think that's a pretty powerful statement right there. Is that mm-hmm. you know hard training can be an equalizer for taking drugs if you're not working hard in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had a training question here. Uh, where was this golden age training question about? Here it is. Supersetting back and chest in one workout like golden era bodybuilders uh, did twice per week uh, with a different exercise selection altering on both days. Is this going to be productive or counterproductive? Hmm. Depends on the person. Yeah. Depends on the person. You know, what about personally? I, How about just personally? Where do you stand on it personally? I wouldn't do it. I don't um, do it either. Well, I, I'll, some I'll, I'll, do. I'll tell you this. Okay, I'll, I'll break down a situation though. M- me personally, I can do a back day, and then let's say I have a chest or a push day, and then maybe a leg day, and then a day off, and then let's say my fourth training session of the week could be a hybrid back and chest session, more of a pump style training. But I'm not going to be trying to do my my max type lifts. I'm not good. I'm going to be doing more touch up stuff, um, and get more blood volume and hit more of a metabolic pump versus, you know, mechanical tension type stuff. Absolutely. But yeah. I wouldn't be doing that twice a week consistently. I don't, I don't know about you guys. Yeah. I'm not a fan. And this is just my personal belief. It's not right or wrong. And people who disagree with me are not wrong for doing it differently. I don't like to superset antagonistic muscle groups. I don't like to do that. I'll superset inside of a muscle, the same muscle group, but I just, the back and chest thing, the buy and try thing, uh, the quad and ham thing. I just am not, uh, I'm just not a big fan. If I'm in a muscle group and I've got a client, we're in that muscle group until we're done with it. And then we move on. Now I may still train hamstrings, you know, halfway between quads, but that's more to get my breath from if I'm done, you know, doing high, rep hacks and I need to catch my breath to do an isolation move to keep things going instead of going straight into another compound movement. Uh, but I don't, I, I, and I've never been good with that. And I have tried it every now and then I'll give it a shot and I still don't like it, but I do know other people, even top trainers who like to do it. So it's not a right or wrong thing. I think it's just a preference type of thing. Hmm. I did coach my second show. Um, I was getting, it was maybe like four weeks out, he switched me to, what was it? It was chest and back superset, then um, shoulders and legs, and then uh, arms, biceps, triceps, and then a rest day and then repeat. And man, it was brutal. Like, I, I mean, granted, I was coming into the show and I think what he really wanted was like just volumizing me. You know what I mean? Volumizing me and keeping me moving and burning fat all at the same time. Um, it, what it was, was volumizing? I mean, what did he mean by volume? What I, I, I think he wanted to like pump me up. You know, I think he wanted to like wanted really, to do a lot of sets and reps. Yeah, I think he wanted to do a lot of sets and reps. I think that's what he was trying I'm to not do. Not volumize the tissue, just doing yeah. a lot of volume. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right, that's what I was trying to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and you know, just like pump it up, burn it out. And I think he was trying to, you know, just push me harder and get more fat loss. I think that's what his goal was. So I had tried that once and it was, it was brutal. And I feel like now that I, I would, I put so much into, I feel like I would put so much into one of the two movements. Like if I did back first, then he asked me to go do chest. It's like, those are two really big things, you know, to, to put them together. I couldn't give you also though. I'm not a really I'm not a, at this point a really big fan of of well I don't know man I'm thinking about this because I could see like I know I know Menser would have you like 
jump around and superset stuff sometimes. But uh, I'm just thinking out loud. But I feel like I wouldn't be able to really lift as heavy as I would want to. It doesn't seem like something that would be productive for being able to push the most amount of weight that I I want to be able to push uh, in order to like be progressive with it. Oh, I completely agree. I think if I was forced to do it, and I wonder how Andrew feels about this. If I was forced to do it, I had a trainer and he told me you just matter of factly have to do it because you know what? You signed on with me and you paid me $18,000 for two weeks of training. So you might as well get <laughs> I would definitely want to do the first set with chest and then back <laughs> because if your back is fatigued going into chest for a superset, you know, you're not going to be able to press as much. You're, you're going to have a hard yeah. time. Your back is going to, I, I, I'm, th- I'm thinking about it, visualizing it going, I'll probably be cramping in my fucking rhomboids trying to do presses. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just realizing that the question was superset, not train those same muscles with the same, within the same uh, day. And absolutely, I would not superset uh, chest and back. Yeah. Like one, one, you know, within the same exercise sequence. Absolutely not. There's, there's yeah, no way I trained them in the same stuff. session. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I would do a second yeah. session. I wouldn't. I don't like to do that, but I will train them together right. in the same session. But I would absolutely not do a push and then a pull right after each other. Right. There's no way. The second exercise is getting seventy percent effort, maybe. I mean, yeah, how you get that point, I'm just burning calories at that point. I'm I'm not yeah. actually training to build muscle at that point. So uh, I might as well just do more cardio. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It would be a hell of a way to deplete. I mean, I, I understand that too. But then you get into the, the discussion about how, you know, if are you trying to deplete? Should you already be depleted coming into, you know, there's just a lot of questions there, but that's a, that's a, it's a good, it's a, it's a good question. I'm, I'm just not a big fan of it personally. I, I would tell the person, try it. If their coach is telling them to try it, evaluate the results. If you don't like it, it's not working, then give good feedback and try to come up with a different plan. And if you like it, don't contact Andrew or Skip to work with us because we're not fans of that. <laughs> or me, or me. <laughs> we're not going to let you do it. Scott's no. iffy. He might. I might. We're not I sure. might. There's a twenty. There's a eleven percent chance. Um, I mean, if you wanted just to like get a good pump in the gym, you know, you're already in contest shape and you just want yeah. to be full and round. Maybe doing a photo shoot that day. Okay, maybe. But if your yeah. goal is to build muscle, I don't think that's a good long term strategy. No. I generally do that like before podcasts. That's it. You know, yeah, that's I, I think that's a good idea. Before going out to the club, you know, yeah. things like that. Right. Yeah. What's up, guys? <laughs> um, PED question. Uh, what would be least harmful on uh, lipids and on uh, blood thickening? Ooh. In terms of like st- in terms of steroids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in terms of all compounds, period. I, th- I think I think steroids. Um, I got this question. I, I, maybe it was the same guy. I don't know. Somebody asked me on Instagram, and I said one thing would be uh, orals. I know are a lot harder on your lipids. I've seen, I've seen cholesterol go really crazy. Uh, HDL is going down. In fact, I've seen HDL is going down really low on especially Winstrel and uh oral terinibol but i think orals in general are going to definitely be harder um i don't know what do you guys you want got? to know which what drug what one would be the most appropriate i would yeah. say testosterone and primabolin probably um that's funny that's where i was gonna go <laughs> which, which i was thinking or? i was thinking, i was actually thinking primo first but then i'm like test me but i was going to make a joke and be like 25 milligrams of tests a week because sometimes it comes down strictly to dosing and not as much mm, as compound but true you know when you get if you're speaking about compounds you know your eqs and so i think you know and i'm going to say this without going off 
into a tangent, but I think EQ gets way too much attention for, um, you know, raising blood viscosity. It, it, clearly it does, but I don't think it should get as well, much you know why it does? get the credit that it, that it should you or know, that it does. You know why it gets, you know why it gets the notoriety that it does? Because right. it was the drug that was studied for blood viscosity. Oh, okay. So then people started saying oh, like, oh, EQ raises your RBC and your hematocrit. Huh. You know that all steroids do that, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's, I, I was, I was it's like, just they, mm. they didn't test Trenbolone in a, in a clinical setting to see what that does. But we all know Trenbolone does the same shit. We all yeah. know that every single anabolic compound, uh, at least all the ones that I've ever used or know of, will have some effect on your lipids, will have some effect on your blood values, your RBCs, all that stuff. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, Skip, because people will be like, well, I don't know if I should be using this EQ because I heard it will raise my, my hematocrit, my red blood cells. It's like guy like every anabolic is going to have that effect okay like right. now we're going to be used we're going to be responsible about all of them but don't think that shooting 1500 megs a test is going to free you from that that burden right. you know what i mean yeah so i've noticed um it seems to me like there is a, a when okay a decade ago or 15 years ago the the talk was all about like what we needed to do to protect our liver and that was a really big deal. And everybody was like, well, you got to run the milk thistle. You got to take the milk thistle to protect your liver on cycle. And it was kind of like a go-to thing on the message boards where you'd be like, this is my cycle. I'm taking the milk thistle. I'm taking the PCT afterward. This is what it all looks like. Uh, you know, if you didn't mention the milk thistle, then people would be like, what are you doing for liver protection, bro? You know, yeah. Yeah. nowadays, I feel like the concern is high hematocrit. And I'm seeing more and more questions on our podcasts about how to handle high hematocrit. And I'm wondering if this is in response to people not coming off as much and people running higher cruise doses. I can tell you that I ran uh, a high, high cruise dose. Well, high, I'll, I'd say like, as Jordan Peters has been calling it, it was like TRT plus. I was on like <laughs> 300 milligrams a test for an extended period of time. And I called that my my cruise dose, my TRT. And my blood did get obviously a lot thicker over time. And I had to learn the lesson that, you know, if you keep it down in range, a lot of people I think are gonna do a lot better on hematocrit. You know, they're, they're gonna be okay. A lot of younger people, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when you start raising those doses, there's, it's not, you know, there's no free lunch, I guess. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering if I'm seeing more and more of these questions about how to control hematocrit because people are, in fact, running higher cruise doses, not taking, you know, and then they go into a cycle and they're already kind of borderline. You know what I mean? It's not terrible, but then they're borderline yeah. and they're at like 50, 51, 52. And now they're adding in, you know, the gramma test and, you know, the EQ or whatever. No. Yeah, I can't discount that. I don't. I don't you know, in age, you brought up a good point. Age is huge when it comes to blood viscosity as it's related to RBC, somatocrit, and hemoglobin, because a lot of young, at least in my experience, not only myself personally, but with clients over the years, there is a pretty direct correlation the large majority of the time with how long they can stand, the dosage, and how well they respond from a blood marker standpoint when it comes to viscosity. So uh, the body is just more resilient when it's younger. I always compare it to alcohol, where as you get older, you drink alcohol and you still can't train two days later because you feel like death, where when you're younger, you can do that and it's just you still have a great workout and that's great. The body is just more resilient uh, when it's younger. So 
it depends on the age. It depends on, uh, there's just a, there's a lot of factors there, but again, I think coming back to the compound, it, I think not any compound, but it's going to come down to not just the compound, but dosage and how long you run it. And the old adage still applies all the time when it comes to things like this, just monitor your blood work consistently and pay attention because it's not just the number. It's how those numbers trend over time in relation to dosage being on being off and you know a lot of people make the mistake of only checking blood work when they're off you have to have those blood work numbers when you're on because you have to be able to contrast the two and see how your body is responding especially if you're on more than you're off i'm, I'm the crazy person that i will do my bloods two weeks before i get on stage to see how bad it's going to be yeah. like the worst of it you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Uh, i think that's really important to see and then and that's your baseline and that you work from there um but yeah i think yeah people are just kind of kidding themselves when they get their bloods done 10 weeks after they've you know they've been into cruising and they're like oh look everything's great it's like it's been great for two days now like i can guarantee exactly. you that and how long are you going to be off because they're going yeah. to be great only until you go back on where are they you don't well, know the, the next yeah. email is oh coach i already popped the uh, the good stuff back in <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah i think the other thing also um you know we always talk about like genetics in the sport like you know genetics in terms of muscle insertions and symmetry um genetics in terms of response to drugs but i also think there's a component of genetics and how the, the body deals and metabolizes the drugs and yeah. is able to stay healthy like i was reading someone's blood work the other day who we've only done i think we we're doing like 600 tests and 600 npp and i'm like dude i think your gear is fake until i actually saw his testosterone was through the roof i'm looking at everything his hematocrit was dead in the middle of where it should be his liver enzymes are right where they should be like crp everything was like perfect you would look at it think it was a general person that takes care of themselves not on wow. anything so i do think there's a this is the first time i've ever seen someone with perfect blood work despite the testosterone and free test being through the charts. Um, so I do think there's like a genetic component about how some people just metabolize the, the, the negatives of this, of, of, yeah. you know, the things we do, you know, um, to, to a degree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's all we got guys. That's all our questions for the day. Um, next time I will fix the live stream so we can actually <laughs> hang out. I advertised to everybody. I was like, Hey guys, come to the group, hang out, you know, comment all that. <laughs> we didn't get to share all that stuff. So I know we had Nate Spear watching tonight. If, if he could, if that actually worked on his end, he was, he was, he was messaging me. He was messaging like, when are you guys going to be on? You guys are late. How's he, how's he <laughs> doing, man? How's, how's everything going with Nate? Good. Um, just kind of, you know, we're looking at nationals this year and, okay. uh, just kind of really started going again. Um, he just had uh, a little bit of time off and things are, and I, I saw a picture he posted on Instagram, uh, yesterday and I'm like, Dude, was this old? Like in my mind, I'm thinking like, cause he's already round and juicy again. And, uh, so yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be another good year for us. Um, you know, not making any predictions. We're just going to work hard. I know of he's course. working hard. You know, you guys know he's working hard. Of course um, he is. Oh, I do. I do want to shout out Justin Randall. He gets on stage at the Indy pro next week. Oh, nice. Uh, he's looking pretty nasty uh, in the two twelve class. And I uh, wish him well next week. Nice. I think it's going to be a good show. Dorian is looking incredible as well. Um, yeah. I, it's, it should be a pretty damn good, good show. I want to, uh, I got a video from Dave today, the, the Dave Kallick. Um, he sent me a video of Dorian's legs and it's just <laughs> incredible, man, how he's changed over the last two years. Like last year, he just like, he came out like last year. He just, he was already like a big guy. 
And when somebody's already a pro, they've already taken it to that level and they're already kind of like out there, you don't expect to see them like just transform again, you know, but he transformed again last year and now he's transformed again. Like he just didn't stop. It's weird to see things click for somebody. They can make that much progress when they're this far along, you know, I wasn't going to say anything. Go go ahead, Andrew. I was going to say now he just looks like someone that is never flat. Like yeah. everything is just round and full and exploding. Like every picture I see of him, I'm like, my mind yeah. is just blown. He's just full all the time, but go ahead. Well, it's funny because I was going to wait to, yeah. Cause I wanted, I'd love to get Dorian and Dave on together. Cause I know Dorian from back in, you know, my Colorado days, which sounds like it's a long time ago, but apparently it's not, uh, you know, training at Armbrist pro. And of course we competed against each other a couple of times as he was coming up and I, you know, was old and shit. Uh, and that's a great shot of him right there. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to openly say this, and I, if I put this disclaimer on it. You have to hear my entire comment. So if this is Dorian or Dave or Dorian's girlfriend or anybody else, <laughs> hear me out, okay? When he first turned pro, I thought that he was very underrated. I don't want to say undeserving that because I don't feel that way. And I like the guy. He's incredibly humble. He's a super nice guy. And the work ethic, he's just a fucking workhorse. He's a really genuinely good guy. So you want him to do well anyway, even if you don't know him that well. But I wasn't impressed in the sense that I was thinking, I, I was like, wow, I just, I expect him since he turned pro, I didn't think he would do much as a pro. And God damn, the guy, he's just, it's just crazy, the transformation. So when you said that, I thought, God, I can't, I can't not say anything now. It's just leaps and bounds. It's just, it's just crazy. And you make it that, that's a good point, Andrew, because I was looking at his shoulders in that other shot a couple of days ago. And, you know, obviously everything is impressive from his back to his legs and everything, but you're right. Even I almost kind of put it up there with the fullness of Phil Heath. When Phil Heath is flat, he doesn't yeah. look. He's Phil Heath flat, but he's yeah. not flat by by our definition of flat. You don't see yeah. it, and yeah. and it's the same with him. The strides that he has made, I would have never. And and it's nice because it tells me you think you can predict. Hmm. Skip, you've been doing this for so long and you think you can predict. I didn't give him enough credit. God damn, man. And I've seen him come from nothing. I mean, the guy was, uh, which is not to imply that he's not natural now. That's for him to discuss. But he was natural for years and he whooped my ass natural. Hmm. <laughs> so, you know, he he has really come a long, long way. And, and no sign of really stopping or slowing down that train at this point. Yeah. So I'm curious, how think, big think- can this guy get? <laughs> I think he's just got really good direction in Dave Kalick. Um, mm. You can tell Dave really cares about his athletes, especially him. Oh, I was yeah. right next to Dave when he won his card, and I didn't even know Dave at that point. He just, like, t- turned around and just started picking me up, like, trying to hug me <laughs> and everything. And he yeah. was just, like, you could see the emotion of, like, we've worked so hard for this. It's it's coming out, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I listen to every one of his podcasts that he's on. I, I feel like I learn something every time. I think he's just got really good direction um, and a good relationship with Dave Kalick. Yep. That's cool, man. Yeah, that's cool. And Dave does. Dave, like, Dave has such a caring heart. You know, he freaking, he feels for his clients. Like, he, he really yeah. wants them to succeed. It's like, it's yeah. it's important. He wants them to, to have that experience, you know? So yeah. I know he's really proud right now. He, you know, regardless of what even happens with the show, I know that freaking yeah. he's, he's just like, and as he should be, just as Dorian should be, like, you know, he Dorian cracked what? He was in the top six for uh 
Tampa last year, and yes. that, that was the first call out. So he snuck in there. He you know he cracked into that first call out uh, deservedly. And uh, him backstage was free. I was at that show, and him backstage was freaky as he was pumping up. Yeah. Like, like I'm saying he's full all the time, but he got fuller, like, <laughs> heading out the stage. My, my, my eyes are just like, oh, my God. You know? Yeah. He's always had that, like, a, a weird, like, a weird, crazy pump to him. Though, Because I, I, I remember uh, this would have been 2017, maybe. Uh, at the Arnold, uh, I think it was 2017, and uh, I got to see. Uh, I, I hooked up with uh, Dave Dave Kalik at uh, prejudging, and he was there with Stan McQuay and Dorian. And then we went over across the street to this little burger place, and Dorian was dieting at the time. I've told the story on the show before, so some people might have heard it, but uh, Dave was like, "Yeah," he was like, "Eat a burger." He's like, "Yeah," and eat those fries. He's like, "Have a regular Coke." And I didn't think about it, but we're sitting there and we're all just talking, having a conversation. And then I look over at Dorian and he's like, boom, he's just like out of nowhere. <laughs> Looks like he expanded crazy veins are all over everything, man. It was nuts. It was cool to see. <laughs> good dude. Real good dude. Super nice guy. You got anything for us, Skip? Any uh, Anything coming up here that you want to tell us about? Any big, well, I'll uh, tell you, Manny. Manny got greenlighted to train about start training 100 about three weeks ago. So we're ready to step on the gas pedal uh, in about a week, and I'm excited about that because he has really worked hard to maintain during his time what he can and has been very careful. Uh, and I was surprised because I thought I'd be having to, you know, check on him, drive down to Miami, and be like, "Bruh, don't be training." But he's <laughs> he did it right. And he, you know, he did everything he was supposed to. And I just, I have very high and so does he very high expectations for this off season. And I think that he can, um, he's, there's a lot of potential there. I won't make any predictions, but I, I think there's, I think he's got a lot in front of him. I really do. And I, I'm glad to be working with him and I hope to be a part of that. Um, you know, moving forward, real good guy too. Very humble, hard worker, um, I may be training back at Iron Temple myself too, making that commute down there. But there's a backstory to that that I don't want to tell yet because it's up in the air. But I'll know that by the oh. next podcast. Oh, yeah. some some stuff going on behind the scenes, huh? Yeah, well, I'm nursing this knee issue. I just got the MRI and stuff, so I have to. I'm getting it read right now and and going through what I have to do. Apparently, it's well. I don't. I don't want. To, I don't want to. Okay. Say okay. I'll fair wait. enough. Fair enough. We'll wrap it up, guys. Uh, for those of you who are still hanging with us on the live feed, even though we couldn't get the comments up, listen, we appreciate the hell out of you. And we appreciate everybody that's been at the YouTube who's been doing everything you've done. All your comments. I love your you, likes, man. Yeah, all that stuff that's helped to build us up. And and I had a, a vision like from the start of because we had, you know, we had a good popular podcast on audio, but we didn't have YouTube. And I thought to myself, like, let's go to it. But then it was humbling to have like zero subscribers and to not have like the YouTube people didn't know our audio podcast. So it was like we were just getting started again. You know what I mean? And uh, and I had a vision where I was like, when we get to 10,000 subscribers, that'll be a decent small channel. Like we got some we've got some reach with 10,000 people. That's a decent small channel. You know, we're not competing with Dave Palumbo and, you know, all of that. And that's okay. Like that's not what our our goal is to do. You know, we want to try to tap into the people who truly want to just like grow a lot of muscle 
and uh and that's that's who i think we found so we appreciate you guys watching i appreciate both of you guys because you guys helped to bring us here and we appreciate andrew thank you for joining us today man well thanks for having me on guys enjoy talking to you skip i, I came up with something funny to say about andrew remember okay so his his uh his handle is Barry Swole. Yeah. <laughs> and and I looked at his pictures and I was like, that before picture, was it were you called Barely Swole then? Oh, oh. oh. oh shit. <laughs> I'm slow. I'm slow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys very awesome. much. Of course, go to teamskip.com, check Skip out over there, and check out our awesome sponsor, True Nutrition. We'll see you guys.